Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Slasher Supreme. I am your host, Christopher. Before we get into today's stuff, just wanted to say, yet again, I am sorry for not having an episode up last weekend. There was something on Anchor's End where it deleted everything I had for the episode. It kind of happened with me and Luke when we did Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, when I had everything, the intro, the outro, the entire segment where we reviewed the film, all of it deleted that's what happened to me last weekend, so uh, yet again, sorry for not having an episode. But it wasn't my fault. I swear it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Anyways, into today's episode. We'll be taking a look, of course, at Taurus Trap from 1979. A cult classic film that's kind of gained traction a little bit here in the last few years. And the, another film, Grave Encounters from 2011. Yes. We'll be taking a look at two films, two kind of cult films. Grave Encounters is a little bit higher on that, uh, I would say. But still, nobody really talks about it anymore, and it's kind of getting a little bit more traction. So anyways, yeah, let's get into the reviews first with Grave Encounters. Let's head over there. Encounters from 2011 was directed by the Vicious Brothers. The cast is composed of Sean Rogerson as Lance Preston, Ashley Grisco, sorry if I mispronounced some of these names, who plays Sasha, Merlin Monster, who plays TC, Juan Redinger, who plays Matt, and Sean McDonald, who plays Morgan. Pretty much the plot is the crew of the Grave Encounters TV show are shooting an episode at the Collingwood psychiatric hospital a mental asylum from the 40s and 50s who of course had horrible things happen and now it's an abandoned building that is supposedly haunted anyways when the crew goes into lockdown what starts out as pretty much a bus location because they can't get anything soon turns into a living nightmare can the grave encounters crew survive until dawn or will they succumb to the lockdown watch the film and find out (laughs) anyways since I got the plot out of the way, I'm going to go through my positives, and then I'm going to go through my negatives, and then my double-edged sword like I did last time. Anyways, the positives. The film's authenticity and kind of mockumentary style to the um, kind of ghost hunting shows that came out around that time. Of course, if you, of course, a lot of you remember Taps, uh, Ghost Adventures. Um, it's kind of funny. Lance in this movie is a pretty much a caricature of Zack from Ghost Adventures. He is spot on. You know, he's got the black leather jacket, the shitty black shirt with a graphic design on it, you know. He is almost, is somewhat even douchier than Zack from Ghost Adventures, if you can believe it. But still has that charm where he's likable and, you know, you still want to, you know, see what happens and not just turn the fucking show or just turn the movie off in this case because of just how douchey he is. But it's just hilarious how, like, spot on they got that. I'm actually, I'm talking about Lance as the host, um, Sasha plays the co-host, TC is our cameraman, Matt is our other cameraman, who's kind of like our tech guy, he 
kind of sits at home base for those of you who watch Taps and Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters and would know. You know, the, pretty much the big ass location with all the computers that watch the static cams and stuff like that. He's more of that guy. And then Morgan plays, of course, our uh, psychic. Now, another thing that goes along with this is the authenticity is the first half of this film is pretty much the intro to the um, episode. Of course, they have, you know, Zach walking in front of Collingwood with the dramatic music, you know, and he's going through the lines of, you know, this place is so haunted and mysterious and blah, 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 and going on to why. Um, you know, of course, I'm interviewing people to get their stories about their experiences with the place. One of them in particular is kind of hilarious and makes you think if this actually happened on like Taps or Ghost Adventures. They happen to come across a new worker at Collingwood, you know, a new caretaker, and they ask him for, you know, some supernatural stories, and he's like, look, I just started, I don't know shit, and Lance bribes him with 20 bucks and says, hey, just make something up, you know, just for the camera, and then, of course, the guy makes something up, so it's just funny, because you're like, I wonder if that did happen on those shows, you know, just something fun like that. Of course, another thing they really ham up is Morgan as a psychic. Um, earlier on, they learned about this horrific spot where a woman committed suicide in a tub. Um, Morgan comes through and then starts hamming it the fuck up about how he can feel a dangerous and sad presence in this one particular area. Um, and then as soon as they're like cut, they start laughing and just going, he's like, did I make it up? You know, did I fuck it up or did I make it just too hammy and they're like no 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 you're fine so it's just funny how they're going along with it uh, another positive is the build up of Collingwood itself one thing I love about those shows because uh, those are my guilty pleasure to a point as I love those shows was always learning about the history behind those places where I'm from uh, the biggest place is Waverly Hill Sanatorium uh, learning about that place is just really interesting about you know how they treated the patients and the, the, the death shoot so even though it is a made-up location, the stuff they have, the backstory they have to this spot is really interesting, and I love every little detail they got going on for it and with it, for it with it. Anyways, another thing I love about this film is the ghost designs. Here's the thing: uh, there are full-body apparitions. I don't want to get too much into it, but when they are on screen, they are fucking terrifying the first time I saw this film I was uh, I think a freshman in high school and the design on one of the creatures on one of the ghosts faces when it's shown and does like a weird jump scare effect scared the piss out of me I loved it and I could not get enough of this film when it first came out now I'm gonna get into that Anyways, but yes, the designs of the ghost in this film are amazing, and they are haunting, and they'll be, if this is your first time viewing it, they will be burned into your head, because I could not get enough of it. It scared the shit out of me, absolutely. Now, going on to my negatives with the film. And it's kind of a double-edged sword, in the sense, with this one, is that the very... I love the first half of this film, but that is just me because I love those shows like Ghost Adventures and Taps. The first half is a lot of build-up. You might get bored with it because it is a very uh, it's a very slow build-up, but it is a very um, one. It, I like the build-up to it. So if you're looking for something fast-paced, the friend is you're not gonna get it with this film for the first half at least. Once it gets to the second act, and then definitely the third act, it ramps the hell up. But you gotta get the kind of the 
slow first act, I can see that being a negative for some people. For me, not so much. Another thing that happens is it is somewhat of a spoiler, but not necessarily. It, it, this film ends on a cliffhanger, which then goes into a sequel. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to talk about the sequel, because I, I personally hate it. It's very meta, the, the sequel, but meta to a degree that is just too much for me, and I can't fucking stand it. So, if you want, that's something I'm going to let you guys know. If you want a complete story and, you know, everything said, done, wrapped up, you are not going to get it with this film because it does sequel bait like a motherfucker at the end of this. So, that is something you guys should know about. I'm not going to say what happens, but just let you know that it does leave on a cliffhanger. Um, One last thing, I guess, it's, yet again, the double-edged sword kind of thing. It doesn't explain what happened for these ghosts to be in this asylum necessarily. It gives some key hints, but nothing too concrete. Normally with these kind of ghost movies, it always has like some tragic past or like a demon or something latching to this place. So you're kind of expecting that, but you don't. So it's something, like I said... I like that they don't explain it, but at the same time, I wish they would have explained it a little bit more than just, it's a haunted asylum, and something does happen, and again, don't want to give anything away, but it doesn't really go into what it is. And then, I guess, the double-edged sword, the main one, is that most of this film is (laughs) very generic, to an extent of, you know, it's door slamming, or creepy noises in corners, or... You might catch something off the side of the screen that's a ghost uh, <laughs> that you will get from other movies. I think the way, for me, for some reason, it sticks out a lot better than, like, say, Paranormal Activity. Um, because, yes, these both are found footage films. I forgot to mention that. Yes, he's both. This film is a found footage film. Uh, is, I guess, the presentation where Paranormal Activity is just like a handheld camera. Something about this, I guess, it being a TV show, and then the locations where Paranormal with the house, where this one's a asylum, and it just seems a lot more, I guess, grounded to an extent. Where in Paranormal, wants something just out of this fucking world, I guess. I don't know. There's something about it. Um, it's very generic. But once it gets to the uh, about halfway through the second act to the third act, it really changes things up and then ramps it up from like a 5 to an 11 and it doesn't let you go until the end credits so that's something I have to say that's a very double edged um, it's very cliche for the first half then ramps it up for the last, you know for the ending which is something that I love about this film and yes to me it holds up in certain aspects like I said I watched it when I was probably a freshman or a sophomore in high school it Certain aspects of this film still hold up to this day. Other aspects, when I'm looking back, thinking about it, don't really hold up necessarily from, you know, now, back from then. I have seen a lot more movies, and I have, you know, technology has improved in these kind of horror films. So, some of the shit in this movie does look very dated. But at the same time, some of that dated stuff in there looks fucking horrifying, so it still kind of floats up today. And holds up. I don't know why I said floats up. It holds up today. So, it's it's a give and take. To me, personally, if you're looking for something a little bit different with the ghosts, 
I would definitely say check this out, but mind you, the first half is very slow, so don't expect a kind of a fast-paced horror movie. I know some ghost movies, you know, ghost slash spirit films in this category can be kind of ramped up, uh, Haunting in Connecticut, um, The Conjuring films, fucking Annabelle films, which are awful, but whatever. I know those are kind of a little bit more fast-paced, where this one's kind of a slow burn for the first half up to the second and third. So, personally, I'd say go watch it, but really, that is up to you. If you thought this sounded interesting, go check it out. It's, um, I believe, right now, $3.99 on the PlayStation Store to rent. So, I don't know about Xbox, I'm going to say it's the same thing. So, if you guys want to look it up, I would definitely say check it out. Anyways, let's move over to a tourist trap. Tourist Trap from 1979 was directed by David Schmore, who is most famous for the Puppet Master franchise. Yeah, the Puppet Master franchise. Ten movies about puppets killing people, and half of them were in World War II. I don't know why. I don't know why there's killer puppet movies in World War II. Who knows? Anyways, the film stars Chuck Connors, who's Mr. Salzen. I think that's how you say that name. I could be wrong. Anyways, he's actually a famous basketball slash baseball player who was also in the film Soylent Green and Old Yeller. Yeah, Old Yeller. Mm. Anyways, the film revolves around four friends who are stranded at a roadside museum. There they meet the creepy old caretaker, Mr. Salzen. Again, sorry for mispronouncing that name. They say it a lot through this film, but they say it in weird ways. Anyways, <laughs> when a masked assailant named Davy shows up who's dressed like a goddamn mannequin starts terrorizing the group they must then fend for themselves can the group survive the night or will they succumb to the horrors of the tourist trap i want to watch the film and find out if this review sounds good i don't know why i have to keep saying that anyways so pretty much going down from the positives negatives and then double-edged sword of the things anyways to start out for the one positive huge positive uh, chuck connors in this film is absolutely freaking fantastic i love every scene he's in he plays the creepy old man to a perfect T. It is fucking amazing. Anytime he talks to certain people, he has this creepy look on his face, like a crooked smile. He just tilts his head a certain way, and his eyes are just really big, and he just stares at them like he's staring into their soul. It's just really fucking intimidating, and I love it. Um, he also says really weird shit in this film, and it's just perfect his line delivery. Um, there's, of course, a house on the property, that he owns because he used to live there, but now he just wants to stay in the museum for reasons. Um, but they, the friends, the group is like, well, why don't you live in that house? Who lives in there now? And he's like, Davy Crockett. And they're like, what do you mean Davy Crockett? He's like, Davy Crockett, you know? He lives over there now. Um, the Roadside Museum, for those of you who don't know, is my own personal hell of mannequins and wax figures, if you guys don't know, and probably don't, yeah, I have a fucking phobia of mannequins, I hate the damn things, I cannot stand it, so this movie is horrifying, yes, it's actually, um, <clears throat> I believe it was one of the movie that, um, gave me this phobia when I was a little kid, anyways, so yes, um, the mannequin of Davy Crockett lives in the house, and when they're like, why does the mannequin live in the house, he's like, cause him and Cussler don't get along, and then he points to the fucking mannequin of Cussler, he's like, they just... They don't get along, so Davy lives in the house, and it's just like the dude, fucking creepy man. Stop it! So <laughs> you have that. 
right there, which is just weird enough for me, and I'm already done with the movie at that point. Talking about live mannequins, uh, there's actually a scene in the beginning of this film, uh, it's a death scene, and a man is trapped in a pretty much like a oh, container area, uh, container. like a camera, it's like a side room, and all these mannequins come out, and it's like hell because they're like laughing and cheering, and it's just disturbing as all fuck. One of them actually, I tracked it down, it, I found out, not tracked it down, but I found out the, one of the mannequins is laughing hysterically, and it's the same damn sound effect. They used for Ripper Roo and the Crash Bandicoot games. So now that ruins Crash Bandicoot for me, because now every time I play against Ripper Roo, I think of this fucking mannequin that has to laugh creepily. Anyways. So yes, that's in there, and it is horrifying. And again, to me, because I'm afraid of mannequins, anybody else, it's just kind of cheesy looking. Uh, my girlfriend watched this film with me, and she laughed at me for a little bit because of how pretty much of a little bitch I was when all the mannequins came out. She did not watch the rest of this film with me because I almost cried. I did not almost cry, but it was fucking horrifying. Anyways, <clears throat> another positive of this film is the world building. It talks a lot about why this, um, kind of how the area became so run down and nobody ever goes to it anymore. And it's just because of, just in general, how when the highway was built, all the side attractions pretty much went bankrupt because nobody would stop there. They would take the interstate and keep going instead of stopping and you know, smelling the roses every once in a while. So it's one of those kind of neat places, and they build on it a little bit more with this film. How there's other could potentially be other places like this out there in the world, but nobody knows because the interstate took them, you know, pretty much bankrupt and shut them all down. Now to my negatives of this film. First off, and it's just for me. It's the goddamn mannequins. I fucking hate mannequins. Actually, no, 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 no. You know what? I forgot a positive. I forgot a positive with this film. The positive with this film, besides, it's also with the mannequins as well. There's horrifying films, uh, horrifying parts in this film where um, people are being attacked by mannequins. Actually, it's a double-edged sword kind of thing. Um, they're being attacked by mannequins, and these mannequins have this angelic singing, and it is fucking terrifying because they're all in harmony, and they're just like, oh, I can't do it. But pretty much they're just like, all, like, kind of humming and singing together, um, and it's very terrifying, and again, to me, it's very terrifying to me, but, yeah, it's just like this angelic singing they all have together, which is a very, um, it's a real, it's a point on the positive side, because it's just fucking creepy, I'll get to the double-edged sword side with the negatives, but, anyways, so, back to the uh, negatives, the goddamn mannequins, I fucking hate mannequins, so, fuck this movie, or the mannequin part, um, the other negative is this movie is kind of slow and has a lot of creepy ass buildup, like I just mentioned with the mannequin singing, but it goes nowhere. So it is terrifying as all hell, but then leads to nothing. Um, an example in a scene, a woman is surrounded by mannequins, they're all singing angelically, and they just start falling on her and falling on her, and you think it's going to kill her, and she just gets knocked out. And it's like, oh, I thought we were going to do some cool death scene with the mannequins. Nope, and just knocks her out because they all fall on top of her. A bunch of plastic that she could easily move, and it, yeah, it's yeah, it leads to nothing. But it's cool, and the whole angelic thing, the lead up to it, is very interesting. Um, a negative with it as well with this film is Davy, not Crockett, but the killer, somehow has telekinetic abilities and can link with the mannequins, and he's somehow making them sing. Some of them sing and move. But he can also, like, shut doors, open doors, move keys, and 
stuff like that, and it's never explained why. It's just a weird character trait. It would work better if they just said the mannequins were haunted, but no, it's... He can just somehow move things around. Like, the mannequins were haunted as well, and he's just, like, adding to it. But no, he just can, like, telepathically manipulate everything. It's like, how... Why? And the film never explains it, so that's a negative, is it? It just kind of throws something in there that I would have liked to have it explained more in that regards. So... You know, it's kind of, that's one of the things with this film, I have to say. Uh, this film also ends on another cliffhanger, of course. Uh, not going to give any spoilers away, but it's a very unsatisfying ending. I wish something more would have happened on, along with it. I almost wish this movie would get a remake. Um, I hate remakes, but I feel like this could potentially, even though I fucking hate mannequins, I feel like this actually could benefit from a remake and early upgrade it. Um, this has kind of gained traction in the last few years, especially thanks to uh, Joe Bob Briggs. For those of you who don't know, he's an amazing horror host. He actually just had, um, I think he's renewed for, he's getting ready to have season two on Amazon Prime. Um, I love the guy to death. He kind of got me into reviewing horror movies. Uh, which when I was back in high school, I happened to catch some of his stuff. Along with Cinemassacre, for those of you who are really into movies, I would definitely check that out if you haven't heard of this Cinemassacre. Those two guys right there have kind of molded me into the film asshole critic that I am. Um, but yes, I actually, it has gained traction due to Joe Bob Briggs from that, because he did have it on his show, and a lot of people were talking about it more. So I do feel like this movie could use a remake. Um, a lot of the elements in this film could be updated and be a lot creepier and a lot better so it's one of those films now would i recommend it yes why because one even though i fucking hate mannequins i think it's a good movie it is slow and there's a lot of build-up and you know no payoff but sometimes it's just about the fun of the ride and this is a very fun ride you know it is slow in some parts now for those of you who are looking for something a little bit different i don't know what to tell you on that one but check out Taurus Trap, because it's a fun little ride. Especially if you're afraid of fucking mannequins, like I am. It is a horrifying ride. And you'll be crying like a little bitch, like I was, for a majority of it. Anyways, <laughs> thank you guys so much. Let's head out to the outro. I'll see you there. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Slasher Supreme. Please like, share, favorite, subscribe, thumbs up, or whatever you have to do to let me know you're out there listening. If there's a certain video game or movie you would like me to review, please leave me a voice message here on Anchor, on the Facebook or Instagram page. If you're not following me on Facebook or Instagram, just look up Slasher Supreme Podcast and you will find me. Anyways... I'm trying to think of a newer movie that's coming out. I think it's Hansel and Gretel. I believe it comes out this Friday. I might try to see that. If not, there are a few movies I've been having bopping around up in my head that I've been wanting to talk about for quite a while. So I might be doing those. Um, Another huge thing is I will actually be doing a video game review. I think my first ever on the channel, I believe. I might have done one or two. Maybe that was my other channel I had. Anyways, yes, I will be... (laughs) That's pretty bad. I will be doing um, the Call of Cthulhu game. I believe came out two years ago. I could be wrong. Um, it has a went down in price. So that's the one thing that confuses me. I need to look it up. 
Um, normally, you know, after a game gets released, it kind of starts dropping in price. This game has stayed 60 bucks. If it's been two years, it stayed 60 dollars. It's stayed 60 dollars for two years. If I'm correct, I might be wrong. But yes, um, I'm a huge fan of HP Lovecraft, and I've been dying to play this game for a long time. It was on sale recently on the PlayStation Store. Yeah, I'm a PlayStation player. It was on sale there for $9. I was able to pick it up, and I've been trying to go through it here slowly and, you know, take it in and enjoy it. So, I will probably do, I might do a big episode where I talk about that game, and then one or two movies based off of his work, or based off of Cosmic Horror, which, yet again, flows into H.P. Lovecraft. For those of you who don't know the author, that is something he deals with a lot. And I just love that universe. Anyways, so, you know, that's something to look forward to in time. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you have a safe week. And I will see you guys next weekend for another episode of Slasher Supreme. Actually, hold up. We It might be a special weekend. It's either a special weekend next weekend or a special weekend the weekend after. Because... February 5th is the one-year anniversary of my channel. Yes, February 5th. It blows my mind, like I said in, um, on the I'm Back episode, going from where I started to where I am now, going from maybe like five or ten people listening to it to now having a fan base that actually went up even more. I'm at one. Uh, I'm at 1,500 views. I'm at 1,500 listeners. Yep, going from five... To 1500 blows my damn mind and it just it really uh kind of boosts my confidence of knowing i'm kind of i'm doing something that i love this is really fun so yeah seeing that seeing the numbers grow with each episode and everything i'm super excited so i'm probably gonna do something you know special for that <laughs> so yes to fake you out with that um sign off here's the real sign off you know yet again Stay safe, and I will see you guys next weekend. Later.